Welcome to How to Trade It, The Road to Trading Mastery. Join Casey Stubbs, a seasoned trader, as he guides you to become a profitable trader. Find actionable insights, real-life stories, and strategies to boost your trading skills. Don't miss the journey to trading victory. Start listening now. Connect with us at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Trading profits are just an episode away. This is the How to Trade It podcast. We talk about the real stories behind successful traders. You will learn the strategies that the best traders use in today's markets. And we get those experts to show us how to trade it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the How to Trade It podcast. And I am here today with Richard Friesen, and he is from MindMusclesForTraders.com. Thank you for being on the show, Richard. Well, thank you, Casey. I feel delighted to get the invitation from you because I've listened to a few of your podcasts. And I really love the way you are able to get down to core issues and extract real value from experts you talk to. So I feel honored to be here and thank you for the invitation. And I'm looking forward to some really creative conversations. I agree. Also, we're going to have that for sure. And I know that there's going to be a lot of good insight that you're going to share from your years of experience with our audience. So I want everyone that's listening to make sure you guys are paying attention and get some actionable insight that you can apply to your life and to your trading because there's going to be a lot of good stuff here. So Richard, I know you have a really in-depth, exciting and interesting background. Can you share a little bit about that? Sure. I started with Merrill Lynch in 1980 as a commodity futures broker. And what brought me there was a friend from college, Joe Ritchie, who started Chicago Research and Trading, one of the most successful hedge and option trading funds in the 80s. And so I got my feet wet at Merrill Lynch, and then I went to work for CRT in Chicago. And what was amazing is they took this tall, skinny philosophy major and put him in the middle of the S&P futures pit. All that's gone now. But at that time, there was 500 screaming guys. That was the first time I'd ever been on a trading floor. I don't know what they were thinking. So I was trading hundreds of lots. And what's interesting was I had no idea what I was doing. And so I was trying to buy 100 S&Ps or whatever it was. And I put out a bid. And all of a sudden, 100 guys all of a sudden turned to me, sold! (laughs) So I knew I was way off the market. I'll buy one. So it was a hard experience. And so after a week, they took me out of there because it was obviously I didn't know what I was doing. And they put me in the option pit of the S&P 500. And there the guy who trained me to trade options told me that I was the worst trainee he had ever had. I mean, there was millions of dollars trading hands every minute. Here I was so close to my dream. And I was the worst trainee he had ever had. But somehow, maybe because of my friendship with Joe, I survived that. And I opened a 
trading desk on the floor of the Pacific Exchange because I lived near San Francisco. And there we started trading options on individual stocks for the first time for the company. And I started slowly and started making money. There's a dozens of stories of my learning curve. But eventually, I learned. And after a while, I decided to go on my own and start my own trading firm. Wow, that's pretty cool. So when you were told that you were the worst trainee, how old were you at the time and how did that make you feel? Oh my gosh, I was 37 years old. About 10 years ago. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you are so full of kindness. Yeah, it's getting deep up in here. So how did you feel at that point when he approached you like that? Well, it was really tough. He was really brutal. You know, they were a fast-growing firm. They had no toleration for somebody who was dinking around. And for me, I grew up and my whole being was more of a therapist. I was more interested in interpersonal relationships and the floor is really brutal. So I also have a story maybe we can get to is how I learned to be more brutal on the floor. That's quite a transformation for Rich Friesen, kind, nice guy. So do you think that he was on point or was he just a cruel guy? No, he was absolutely correct. I was terrible. Was that like a wake-up call to you to kind of like, okay, I got to do something different here? It certainly was. So when I got transferred out to the Pacific Exchange, what I did was they have like maybe three by six heavy-duty cards that you write all your trades on and keep track of them so that you can do that. And the exchange gave them away free. But what I did is I started writing down everything I noticed, everything every trader did, everything I did, every mistake I made in really tiny print. I'd make just enough words to refresh my memory. And after a couple of years, I had a stack that was about six inches high. And that eventually turned into a trading manual for my own trading firm, Trade Management that I built from scratch. Wow, that's really good. I was just curious about the comment because I had a similar situation when I was young, not in trading, but when I was in the army. I was a 19-year-old army guy and I had a guy tell me I was the worst piece of crap ever and he was going (laughs) to ensure that I was going to get kicked out of the military. But in his case, he was probably right in some respect, but in some respect he was off. But I've just found that I've had some of the best learning experiences from really bad bosses and some of the best learning experiences from really good. I've learned equally probably from good and bad. So I was just curious about that. Well, yeah, that was a good learning experience. The second major breakthrough that I had was after I went on my own, you know, when I worked for a large hedge fund, I had tens of millions of dollars to trade with. And if we lost $100,000 in a day, nobody, you know, that was just a blip. So when I started trading on my own, of course, I didn't have all that capital and I had to be very, very careful. And the first year I made $125,000 and I was really pleased, a lot less than I made trading for the firm, but I was very careful, just singles, low risk. Next year I made 150, next 175, and the next two years I topped out at $200,000 a year. And it was April of 95. I was woken in the middle of the night by a voice. I sat up in bed, looked around. I didn't see anybody. My wife was sleeping peacefully beside me, but I could hear that voice as clear as I can hear yours now. And the voice said, Rich, you're only worth $200,000 a year. Woke me up. And so I got up. It was like three o'clock or four o'clock. I don't remember. Got dressed, showered, 
and I drove to the floor of the Pacific Exchange where I'd been trading, and the doors still weren't open. So I sat on the concrete steps outside the exchange and just waited. And when the doors opened, I went to the pit. I was trading Microsoft and Micron at that time, and I stood in the very best spot. It was right in front of the order book officials, right between the two of the busiest brokers, so I could hear everything. And I don't know if you know, Casey, but on the floors, you don't own a spot. In other words, it's owned by or used by the most aggressive, the person with the most capital, the bully, the most testosterone-driven guys. And sometimes it can be pretty mean. So I took the best spot. And when all the other traders drifted in, nobody seemed to notice much or care much. And the trader always stood there, just stood beside me, chatting away. And the bell went off and he just tapped me on the shoulder as if to say, okay, Rich, my spot. I didn't move. He started pushing. I just stood there and the order book official uh, said, hey, guys, $10,000, fine if you start a fight. So I stood there. And when they started the opening series of the options, well, you got to understand, Rich Friesen normally stood at the back. I had all my sheets. I very carefully calculated option values. I would sell slightly higher, bid slightly lower. I'd take small pieces out of orders very carefully, just only taking those trades that I could get in. And I was really slow. So as a result, sometimes I missed a lot of good trades. But the bell went off and Rich Friesen went, oh, buy a buy, sell you 100, sell you, buy you 50. I just went freaking berserk. And the pit thought that Rich had gone crazy. But I went on to make $650,000 that year. And what happened was I had a limiting belief that I was not worthy, that I was not worth as much, that that original story that, Rich, you're the worst trader I've ever had, somehow sunk into my brain, and I believed it. So from there on, I made enough money to start building my own trading firm and was very successful. And what I ran into was other traders with limiting beliefs. Hello, this is Casey, and I wanted to take a minute to tell you about my new book that just came out. It's called Complete Trading System. This is my 25 years of trading experience, sharing everything that I have learned in how to make a profit from the markets. You're going to learn about how to find the right instruments to trade, how to find a trend, how to get started as beginners. You're going to learn about how to get the right mindset and you're going to be able to put it all together to create a trading system of your own that will work for you. I highly recommend that you try it out. Just click the link right now. It's called Complete Trading System. It's available on Amazon. Thank you. Go ahead and check it out. I think you're going to love it. So you got this thing, you think it was probably seated in hearing that you were the worst trader, and then that spoke to you in the middle of the night. So it was like this thing that just came up. How did you identify, like you didn't just go do that thing the next day and just break it, right? There had to have been some kind of process on how you identified it and how you took it out. Well, that's 
typically the way I work as a coach. We identify it and take it out. And that's a really important observation. But I think what was happening is on a subconscious level, Rich Friesen was just ready to change the entire context of his life. The beliefs about himself, his behaviors, and how the world works, that it was just so ready. And I had just by habit, you know, it's kind of like I held on to that old belief and held on and held on. And and it finally just couldn't hold on. And that voice in the middle of the night just represented the new rich that he was done with that. And he just quit and never looked back. So it was pretty quick. You didn't have to really struggle with it. It was like just the turning point. Exactly right. Wow. That's great. So what does it take? That's probably different in everybody, but what does it take to get to that turning point where you're just done with your beliefs? I mean, I've struggled with things like everybody, right? But for me, they always come back and I have to keep fighting and fighting and fighting and I'll do affirmations and all this other stuff and it just keep coming back. So like, what do you do there? That's just the perfect question because then when I started hiring other traders and they had problems, I started asking myself, okay, Rich Friesen accidentally kind of came to this with a voice in the middle of the night. Can we change the context? Can we change our identity, our beliefs, our behaviors? Is there a process that we can do this intentionally? And what is that process? So that's where my life for the last 10 years has been living and breathing, is moving from some sort of accidental transformation into an intentional transformation where we can do that. And these are the processes I use on the online courses and in my private coaching. And I'm happy to go through them any part that you like. So your focus is on mindset, right? Because it's mind muscles for traders. Mm -hmm. What do you think is more important in trading? Is it getting the right system or is it getting yourself mentally prepared If you don't have the right mindset, you can't be successful. But then again, if you don't have a right trading system, you can't be successful either. Yes, I think that is well said. So typically what happens is the new trader says, well, I can do this. And maybe if they're engineering or mathematically oriented or they have a strong intuition oriented and conceit and good at pattern recognition, I can do this. And the focus is on the strategy. Sometimes it's intuitive, impulsive trading. So there's a circle and the circle is first as the naive optimism. Oh, I can do this. And sometimes it works because they just like a fresh baby, just look at the market with no ego and nothing there. And they just let it talk to it. And then all sorts of complications come in. And then they concentrate on fixing their strategy and they jump from strategy to strategy to find the perfect strategy. Well, eventually they come to, you know, they test, they back test and create a strategy that is in fact consistently profitable in many market moods. And then once they do that, then they have the problem of execution. They will execute it for three, four weeks, for a month. And what we've talked about earlier is that the typical or atypical trading profit looks like their profit curve goes up, 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 kaboom. And what happens is they realize that there's a mindset, that there's either a limitation, ego comes in and they all of a sudden can fulfill all their dreams. And we can talk about how dreams can negatively impact your trading too. And then what they do is they realize that it's their ability to execute and be consistent. And then they work on that. And eventually they come to the place where they are confident 
in their ability to see various market conditions and moods. They don't have the need to trade. They've taken all the pressure off. They are curious about the market. They are indifferent to whether a particular trade wins or loses. And it's almost, I'm not a spiritual type person, but that's almost the word for it. There is an attitude and belief that rises above all the noises in our heads. And that's where I continually invite my private clients and my students in the group work to step into. If you don't learn from history, you're going to make the same mistakes over and over again. It would be a shame to let history repeat itself when you could have avoided it altogether. Each week, the Finance and Markets newsletter features a financial history lesson to help you grow. Go to the link in this episode's description to subscribe. use the word ego and I'm just not sure I have a really clear understanding of what the ego is. Could you define that for me? Sure. It has such a broad definition and it's used both in psychiatric terms and also just, you know, on the street. So let's talk about it in terms of neurophysiology. And in those terms, we have a lot of neural connections in our brain that are formed since we were very young. And these connections sometimes come from our survival mechanisms. For example, one of my clients' father was an alcoholic, and he could tell by the way his footsteps sounded whether he was drunk or not coming home. And then his mom and dad would get into a fight, so he had hide under the bed and put his hands over his ears when there was any stress or tension. And so that function started as a way of taking care of himself. When the market started getting volatile, he would do the same thing. He would contract and pull under the bed. Now, what this means is that we have a function in our brain. We can call it ego. We can call it self-defense. We can call our survival mechanism. But there are parts of our brain that have a positive intent for our lives, but they just take over. You talked about dreams. Well, if a trader, for example, has the dream that I hate my job, trading is going to give me financial freedom, personal freedom. I'm going to prove to my father, my wife, my community, myself that I'm really valuable and really smart. Trading is going to give me all the ego things, the fancy cars, the house, the mansion. I'm going to get laid more often, you know, all those different things. Then that dream is there and every tick then becomes a referendum on that dream. So a tick against you, oh my God, my dream, my hopes, everything that I care about for the future is at risk. And then once you go into that fear place, I'm going to lose everything. Then of course, you double down, you cancel stops, you make crazy trades, and all that careful prep, all that time you spent trading with discipline disappears in a day. Okay. Now, I label myself as a visionary. There's different personalities, right? So I'm not disagreeing with your theory, but I'm saying for me, dreams motivate me, right? So I'm like, okay, I want to do A, B, and C. I write it out on a plan and I go for it. And that's what gets me up in the morning. So what's the difference between that and what you're talking about? Excellent. Really making this distinction is really important. So I'm glad you brought that up. So let's say I have a vision for the future. And the vision for the future is, let's say, just doing lots of podcasts with quality interviewers like Casey. Then I say, okay, that's my dream for the future. I step into that 
And I say, I'm here. This is what I do. This is who I am. This is my identity. This is what I believe is possible. This is how I behave. I'm developing the knowledge and the skills to be able to do this. I'm already there. Now, we just need to coordinate this with the rest of the world. Beautiful. On the other hand, I'm not worthy. I don't deserve this. I need to prove to myself, if I have this dream and that dream is going to make me whole as a person, it's going to prove to my dad that I'm worthy. It's going to prove to my wife that I'm okay. It's going to allow me to brag about my profits. It's going to let me buy that Lamborghini or in California, it'd be that Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I went and visited. That's all they got down there. Tesla yeah. everywhere. Yeah, yeah, so if we're trying to, what I call, fill that hole in our heart with a dream, that dream is important because when we think about that dream, it feels so good because it fills that empty spot inside of us. But then the pressure on trading becomes immense. So if the dream is a vision we're stepping into, we're gaining the skills, the confidence, we're already there, our identity there, our belief is there, our behaviors are there, that's what gets you up in the morning. And you can just wait for the world to, to go, oh, look at Casey. Wow, what an incredible dream. I want to be part of that. And you're going to be very attractive to the world. If you're trying to fill a hole in your heart, everyone else is going to sense that on some level and be pulling back. Yeah, and, and you're going to be sabotaging yourself. There's too much pressure. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, man, that was actually really good. We dove a little deeper there, and that was excellent. Thank you. Okay, I want to switch gears and talk about the three golden keys, if I said that sure. correctly. Can you mm -hmm. tell me about that? Because you mentioned it earlier. You know, so what I will do is when I start with a client, the first question is, tell me about your issues, your problems, and they'll go through them all. I impulse trade, I revenge trade, I make money for two months, and then I give it all back, whatever. Okay, so we go through that in detail, and then I say, and what would you like? Then they go back to the problems. And what would you like? And they go back to the problems. In other words, they don't have a clear picture. They're not comfortable with stepping in success. So then what I do is I go back and we start with the golden keys. And the first is awareness. And awareness, I break down into three parts. Physiology, how you're breathing, what's your posture, muscle tension, your emotions, what you're feeling. And then I go to what are your thoughts? What quality of thoughts do you have? So the golden keys are awareness, acceptance, and then we accept them. Because if you say, oh, I have this bad thoughts or my, I'm doing something wrong or whatever, and you judge yourself, then you're going into a downward spiral. So we do awareness. The second is acceptance. And the third is we ask, okay, and now what would you like? And getting to that point where now what would you like? So awareness of what's going on, acceptance, and then asking from that place of awareness, acceptance, now what we would I like. I want to just jump in on the acceptance part. It's acceptance that these problems are in my life. Okay, so I revenge trade. I'm accepting that. Is that what the acceptance is? Sure. It's like curiosity. Wow, that's fascinating that when I lose three trades in a row, all of a sudden I start impulse trading. Wow, that's really interesting. Now, that is very different because once you have that model in your brain and once you start looking at yourself with curiosity, then you can start looking at what is underneath that, what is driving that. But if you say swear words aren't allowed, I know, but just imagine a whole bunch of swear words here. I'm rah, 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 rah. <laughs> Look what I did. I'm never going to do that again. Oh, 
oh, I'm so I just hate you. I'm never going to give up trading. No, I can't give up trading. So from that point where you're really upset with yourself, what you are is you are stuck in that struggle. But once you say, wow, this is fascinating. I do this with myself <laughs> when I have a particular process in relationships. And it tends to be, you know, like CNN or me, when you touch it, it withdraws when somebody says an ouch, because this has been my process since I was a kid. And so I can now say, ooh, this is interesting. Look, Rich just had an ouch and he's just withdrawing. Fascinating. Take a breath. And now I can decide what do I want instead. Cool. And so the third step is the what do I want? How do you play that out? Is there got to be an action plan, a strategy? Mm -hmm. Like you mm -hmm. decide what, but what do you do after that? Yeah. So what we do is we create a vision. I have some guided visualizations that help. And some people, it's really hard to say, now, what do I want? They just can't do it. Their brains, their context from the struggle are unable to visualize outside of that struggle. In other words, there just is nothing there. So what we start doing is creating it. And for some people, it is so difficult that I say, okay, imagine a person that is like you, similar background, similar to you, but only this person has a very different belief system about themselves in the world. What is that person like? And sometimes they have a difficulty. So I have to prompt them. How does this person handle losing trades? What is this person's belief about themselves in the world? Sometimes I do a, what's called a worthiness exercise even, where we look to see at the core of their identity. Are they worthy? Do they feel worthy? And then we can start to create this vision. Now, once we create the vision, even if it's not theirs yet, we at least have something to go into and step into. So creating this vision is a challenge because oftentimes we have to let go of some of our identities, our beliefs, our behaviors. We have ecology, our families, our friends who accept us in the old way. But we don't know, like, for example, one of my traders that I hired, really bright guy, came from West Virginia and dirt poor poverty. I mean, literally newspaper on the walls for a wallpaper, that kind of poverty, you know, pigs running around the farm and everything. And so he's really smart and he started making money and then he topped out. So under hypnosis, we discovered that he said, well, if I start making money, then I'll lose my family. I'll lose everything that all my history, all my background, you know, generations going back of poverty. I'll be somebody who I'm not. And so he handled that by only making just a little bit of money. So what we did is we started working with him to create a future whereby he could love his family completely and entirely. It wasn't a rejection of their poverty and their way of life. And then once he got broke that, then all of a sudden he could start making more money. So while someone is going through this process of really improving their mind muscles, what happens with trading? Is the trading that they're doing continually just happening during this process and then they start to see the results change or do they stop for a while? Do they reset? Like, how does that work? Oh my gosh, it's all over the place. Everything you've said. Some traders, I invite them to stop trading and just go to sim because they keep getting triggered and it takes a while. Other traders, it's like, I've had some clients that's just like, oh, God, yes. And although there's some old triggers and some relapses, for the most part, they're off and running. So it really depends. For some people, their identity is so deep in struggle that it just takes a while. For others, like me, 
who is just ready, you know, for that voice in the middle of the night, all of a sudden we have this epiphany and they're off and running. Now, when you step into this new identity, this new context, this new beliefs and behaviors, we still have these old neural connections in our brain. We still have the old triggers. So this is where awareness and acceptance of the golden keys come up to say, okay, today I lost a lot of money. I was triggered. I went into the old belief system. Wow, that's fascinating. Huh. Okay. So and, it's just a process. You just do it over and over again. And then yeah. you, you the, this is my non-science brain. Those neural transmitters then begin to rewire. And then those things get less and less over time as you work the process. Oh, exactly. That's You couldn't have said it better. Awesome. <laughs> That's good. Well, you know, Richard, this has been really fascinating. The awareness that has been brought out is great. And I'm really starting to accept this. Now I need to decide what I want. I want to know... How can I get in contact with you and find out what you do and some of your services? Okay, well, we have a large range of services depending on people's financial conditions and what they want, whether they learn best by audios, by visuals, by human communication, because everyone learns differently. So if you go to mindmusclesfortraders.com, you can see some of our offerings there. And there's just a lot of free stuff too. If you could just go through all the blogs, there's almost everything that we work with is written in 30 or 40 blogs there. What I love to do is have personal conversations so I can really help people and guide them. And sometimes in 15, 20 minutes, we can really determine what is the best course of action and stop wasting time with things that are trivial, with the struggles of the little things and really get down to the core. So there's just a lot of ways we can support you as a trader. The other thing I want to mention is because I'm looking at so many traders have challenges with success and staying there. I'm writing a book called Conversations with Money. And this is our attitude about success, wealth, and money. And I'm looking for editors, people who want to help me do a final edit of the book. And we will reward them with some group or individual work. So anybody that wants to do it, they can send me an email, rich at mindmuscles.com, and I'd be happy to set them up. Oh, very cool. And we're going to take all of those resources and information. We're going to put the links in the description for everyone that's listening. And you guys can just go there, check it out. And I would definitely send Rich an email because that sounds really good. I get a bonus of a book and also a bonus of some coaching. So if you're in a position in your trading and you're having any kind of struggle and you want to get unstuck, then you need to contact Rich, right? Why wait around? Why why hesitate? Just go do it and find out. At least get the 15-minute the talk and see if he can identify some things. I think that would be the wise thing to do. So, Rich, that was really great having you on the show. And when your book is released, let me know. We can talk about it on the okay. show. That's a whole other topic in itself. Oh, it is, um, and an important one. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for being on the show. Really appreciated it. Well, Casey, what I love about our conversation is your really willingness to bear down on the core issues, to really develop them together. And thank you so much. And I'm honored. Awesome. All right. And for everybody that's listening, thanks for listening. We really appreciate you. We're here for you. And we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the How to Trade It podcast. Our mission is to help you create security in the markets. If you have a question you want me to ask my guests or a specific question you have for me, please email me at podcasttradingstrategyguides.com. 
I answer every email I get because this show is about helping you learn how to trade it. So again, please reach me at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Thank you. for tuning in to another insightful episode of How to Trade It with Casey Stubbs. We hope you found today's discussion valuable and inspiring. Remember, the road to trading mastery is a continuous one, and your commitment to learning and growing as a trader is the key to your success. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes, please reach out to us at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Keep listening, keep learning, and keep trading your way to victory. Until next time.